On today's episode, we welcome back Amorak Huey and W. Todd Kaneko for part two of their bananas, their wonderful interview about the chapbook slash 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 from Diode. Welcome to episode 41 of The Chapbook. I'm your co-host, Noah Stetzer. And I'm Ross White. We're joined this week by Molly Hart. Noah, Molly, and I all work at Bull City Press, which publishes chapbooks and occasionally full-length books of poetry, fiction, and nonfiction. We started this podcast to celebrate our love of chapbooks, to go behind the scenes of the publishing process, and to highlight the folks who write chapbooks and the folks who make chapbooks. We're back talking with poets Amorak Huey and Todd Kaneko about their chapbook, Slash, Slash, Slash. And during the break, I asked the question about how you guys read from the chapbook. Do you, do you go back and forth taking different lines? Do you read different poems? Like, tell us more about how something like that would go. Now, when we read together from this book, we go back and forth. That's what we've done recently. That way we get, you know, we get to go back and forth and we get to, you know, have that happen. But the first time we did it, it was just, you know, I think... Amorak read some poems and then I read some poems, but then we were, it was a diode reading, you know, and, and, and Kendra DiColo and Tyler Mills were there and they went back and forth and they started going back and forth. And I was like, Oh snap, that's what you're supposed to do. So now we just do what Kendra and Tyler do. And we go back and forth because they know how it's done. Right. And they're awesome. They certainly do. Yeah, they are. And theirs was actually the first collaborative chapbook that we had a chance to feature on the podcast, but y'all seem to have taken a, a really different approach to the writing process, you know, talking about sending the, the poem off. And Todd, I loved what you said about how it's not the workshop because you actually get to get in and do what you want with the poem. But I think one thing that I love about both of those projects is they're rooted in play, but so many of the poems take that turn towards the mysterious. They take that turn towards wonder. They take that turn towards the deeper unsayable thing that's at the heart of the subject matter. And you know, for, for you guys, clearly trying to make each other laugh at the outset, what's that process like to sort of move into that sublime place? On the practical level, we started with these poems, like we would each, we would go off and write a bunch of drafts, and then we would stick them in a Google Doc and say, have at it. The other, It's up to the other person to go, like Todd said, like, go do what you want with the poem. And part of doing what you want with the poem was making, taking the poem seriously. It's not a joke. I mean, at the beginning, like it's easy to like a slash project. Oh, it's heavy metal. It's going to have like from a pragmatic point of view, I think we could probably get most of these poems published individually because we have, you know, they're, they're about slash. There's some appeal to them. But I know that Todd wants and I want we want more from our poems than just to be kind of fun. They should be fun. I love fun poems, but the best poems are more than fun. The best poems do take that turn that you're talking about. And so that very quickly became part of our conversation, sort of our outside conversation, like, okay, what are these poems? We were talking about how, is this poem, how are these poems a book? How are, the, how are they poems? How are they not just quirky, oh, slash, billboard, heavy metal, billboard pop culture? Like, what, are they, what is more than that? And so it'd be questions of masculinity, questions of identity. Those very quickly became central to what we were doing in these poems. I guess I can't speak for a Morax musical tastes, but... One of my favorite bands from when I was a kid, not a kid, a young adult, was Primus. 
And a story I heard about Primus is that when those guys are in writing songs, they're playing their instruments and trying to make each other laugh. And those songs, if you if you play an instrument or you're a musician, or even if you're not, you listen to those songs, on the one hand, those songs are musically hilarious. Like Jerry Was a Race Car Driver is a really funny song musically, right? But also technically, it's amazing because they have to be that technical to make those songs that funny. I think that, you know, when we talk about like trying to make each other laugh, we're just trying to be crazy. We're trying to get the poems off into that wild place where they're unpredictable and out of our control so that the other person can come in and say, well, I got some stuff to work with, right? The other person can come in and say, well, I can, I can make something happen, you know, and maybe I don't know, you know what it is, but what, what Amorak's going to do. But I, I know that if I do something weird in this poem, Amorak's going to come into this poem and, and make it better and make it a better poem. I remember Kendra and Tyler said something like, about, you know, one of them was a point guard and they just threw that what in that, you know, in their podcast, right? One of them said, like, I throw a pass up to the basket and, and hope the other one can, can put it home, right? And I'm not even sure I can see the basket. I'm just throwing a ball and hoping that Morak can find a court sometimes. Maybe it's even a different sport. But we're just, you know, when we're trying to make each other laugh, we're just trying to do, the, what is that weird thing that we can do to make the poem, give the poem something to do? I often say that my poems aren't done until someone reads them. And like, when you're writing a poem, it's sort of an act of faith that someone's going to read them. But we had that built in here. Like I knew that one person would, no matter what happened, one person was going to read these poems. And so when you're thinking about audience, often writing a poem is a, you're writing toward an ethereal audience. But this was in particular, it began with writing for Todd, writing through Todd to a bigger audience, hopefully, but there was a focal point at the beginning, which I think really helped us shape our process. Like, yeah, I want Todd to like this. I want Todd to see something here, not just a reader, but Todd. Well, I love how the the purpose and seriousness of writing for that intimate audience of each other, but doing so in a container that is at times a little ridiculous, so mirrors, as as Todd said, the the process. And also, I mean, you know, I had the big hair back in the day, like 1989. Yes, I had giant hair and I was like all in a Motley Crue and Badlands. There was always an element of ridiculousness there. But what came out of it sometimes would be stunningly beautiful. And I think GNR is sort of a great band because, yeah, they come out of L.A. Guns, you know, and that I think some of those like Hollywood strip shows had, you know, they had to sort of marvel at their own ridiculousness. But then you listen to Appetite for Destruction and there's some really dark shit on that album and moments of real beauty. I think that's why they became sort of the biggest glam metal band in the world is because they they were working on a level that was deeper and a lot more soulful i mean not to get too much into like you know 80s metal but also welcome to the jungle that riff is ridiculous it's silly and and same with you know rocket queen right that that riff is really ridiculous uh, but that it's so ridiculous that it's awesome you know the way it just it drives i don't want anyone to think that you know slash 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 is this super uber serious book it's ridiculous and it's meant to be ridiculous and yet find you know find its seriousness in that ridiculousness circuitous that way there's such a built-in nostalgia factor writing about slash in 20 i mean i know he's still performing but the slash that we're writing about is rooted in that 1989 guns and roses right and our feelings about that 1989 guns and roses and so when you hear welcome to the jungle now in the 2020s 
you're not only hearing it now, but you're also hearing it the way you're hearing your like through your own 18 year old, 19 year old ears, and that feeling of possibility and hopefulness that you had that 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 music represented to those of us growing up in the middle of the country. I don't know that music was L.A. It was possibility. It was like this forbidden, exotic life that was impossible. And so writing about it now is accessing that part of ourselves when there, there was magic in that music, as ridiculous and made up as it was. I think now would be a great time to hear another poem from the book. Amarik, would you read something for us? Sure, I'm happy to. I will read one from the last section of the book. This is called Slash Teaches Dr. Watson to Play Like Slash. So it's another poem about collaboration and about pairings and perhaps unequal pairings because Dr. Watson, obviously, maybe he's the, the Slash to Sherlock Holmes's Axel. So this is Slash Teaches Dr. Watson to Play Like Slash. It's an expensive lesson, but worth the money. Both men are drunk and free at last. The bottom line is you need to be alone to do what a man does alone, slash, with a guitar, slash, in front of a mirror. Go home, slash says. Make some noise. Come back when you've made enough. Wear a hat next time. Watson remembers children tussling on recessed blacktop, each clamoring to be frontman. No one dreams of sidekick or rhythm section. It's as elementary as another man's greatness, my dear. Another man's greatness is always an illusion. No one comes home slash the person he left to become. All right, we are going to transition into the quick round. We're going to throw five questions at you super fast just to get your gut instinct on these. And I've got the first one today. I've been waiting to ask you this question. If Guns N' Roses had never hit it big, if no one had ever heard of Slash and Axel, which musician do you think would have been the subject of your chapbook collaboration? We'll start with you, Todd. Madonna. Ooh, Amorak. Kip Winger. All right, question two. If you could establish a brand new global holiday, what would you have everyone celebrate? Todd, go first. Pro wrestling. Mm. I mean, I celebrate pro wrestling every chance I get, so everyone, everyone should do it <laughs> Who with doesn't? me. doesn't? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> drawing a blank, I'd go with donuts. I think there is a national donut day, but I would just make it a bigger deal. Yeah. You can never put too much love on donuts. What is a chat book that you love? I will shout out low budget movie by uh, Tyler Mills and Kendra DiColo, two of my favorite poets and one of my favorite chat books. Yeah. I'm shout out one from Bull City, which is Equilibrium by Tiana Clark, which I teach every semester or every year. And it's a great book. It's one of those and it's a perfect book. Good. And your check is in the mail for, for plugging Bull City <laughs> stuff. Thanks, man. All right, guys, if you could go back and attend any concert in history, which concert would you pick? Morik, why don't we start with you? Yeah, I'd like to see Queen, Queen at Wembley. Mm. Todd? I'd go to that show in Texas where the Sex Pistols first played, where they got, right, where they showed up with punk and no one knew what punk was. And Sid Vicious, I think, cuts himself. And just a crazy show. I would have loved to have seen that show. And final question. Tell listeners where they can find you online. Amorak, you go first. Sure. I have a website, amorakue.net. I have, I'm on Twitter way too much. My Twitter handle is just my name, at Amorak. And you can get our chat book at the Diode Editions website. I have a website too, toddconnecto.com. I'm on the Facebook, I'm on the Twitter, I'm on the Insta. 
but like I'm not on there very much now because of, you know, my kids keep me kind of busy. So usually I'm just complaining about my kids really on social. So it's not that exciting, but Hey, come find me. I'm easy to find. And you like it more excited. You can find our, our chappy at die the diet editions website. All right, listeners, you know, you're going to find all the links to that in our show notes for today's episode. If you've already subscribed to the chat book, be sure to tell all your friends, let them know we're on Stitcher, Apple podcast, overcast, we're everywhere that you can get a podcast and let everyone know to subscribe. If you have a moment, let us know what you think. Rate us five stars, add a sixth star. I'm I'm still on that campaign for people to like change the programming, <laughs> add a sixth star and rate us with it. You can also send in your ideas, questions, suggestions, and well, we know you don't have complaints, but if you had them, I guess you could also send them to our email at chatbook at bullcitypress.com. The best way to find out what we're up to is to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Bull City Press or visit our website, bullcitypress.com. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at DC Noah. And I'm at Ross White. This episode of The Chapbook was produced and edited by Molly Hart. So was the last episode and we forgot to do the credits then. Thanks so much to Amorak Huey and Todd Kaneko for being with us today. Thanks, y'all. It was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us on. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in and we'll see you all next time. 